as someone who doesn't speak regularly uh, before the congregation in this manner, when I was trying to put together the lesson, there's so many things. It says here, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's so many of those things that fit that description. I kind of had a hard time coming up with what I would speak about. Should I speak about this? Should I speak about that? Do I know what I'm talking about? As mentioned this morning, I think that when you're teaching someone, make sure you know what you're talking about. So, um, that being said, I did come up with a subject. So, <laughs> um, years ago, I had a friend. Uh, we uh, to hang out a lot together. He was a <clears throat> he was an actor. Um, actually, was a social worker, and he wanted to be an actor. He got caught up in, in theater, and so I followed him around to uh, these workshops and things like that. And we became pretty close. He uh, he uh, was a Christian, or he considered himself to be a Christian. Um, and he talked about the Bible a lot. He talked about God guiding him and prayer and reading scripture. <clears throat> and one time we were talking and he started talking about going to an astrologist. I said, you know, astrology. I mean, to me, astrology was something that people kind of got into casually. You know, back in the day when they had newspapers, um, there used to be like a little column where they had the daily astrological signs. It was something that was frivolous that I don't think very many people took a lot of stock into, you know. But he was serious about it. He was going to see a professional uh, astrologist. And, and I said, well, well, what's that got to do with your Christian understanding? Why would, why, why would you know, what do you mean by that? And he goes, oh, you know, there was astrologists in, in the scripture. He talked about the astrologists who came to, to see Herod when, when Jesus was born. And he had it, you know, so I wasn't going to argue with him about it. It was kind of pointless. But my, my point here this morning is that there are people who, when they talk about the Bible, they talk about scripture, they want to get into things that are kind of, you know, exotic, things that are kind of, esoteric that that that's the Bible to them okay. there's also Eastern religions like Buddhism and Hinduism that engage in meditation okay um, but the Bible believe it or not instructs us to meditate so when I first stumbled upon that I was kind of a little bit you know what's what's that mean and so I wanted to study this, so I studied it for myself, and I decided to share it with you. I kind of tweaked uh, the outline that I was studying a little bit, but I want to share this with you. It's me trying to learn and trying to understand and sharing it with you. Um, I noticed that in the scripture, for instance, in Genesis 24, uh, 63, uh, in the evening, Isaac meditates in the field. Joshua 1.8, God tells Joshua to meditate day and night. Psalms, 
chapter 1, verses 1, 2. The one who is blessed meditates. And in Psalms uh, 119, verse 99, said not only did David become wise, but wiser than his teachers. But meditating. And Paul, in 1 Timothy 4.15, prescribes Timothy to meditate on these things. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to examine three points or subtopics. First, what is meditation in Bible Scripture? Why taking time to meditate is important? And how should we go about meditating scripturally? So, let's get into this a little bit. What is meditation in Bible Scripture? Well, I think the best way to, to describe what meditation is is to kind of point out what it is not. Okay, so it is not like the forms practiced in Eastern religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, or transcendental meditation. Um, When you look at these practices, I think the intention is to experience kind of like being. You've heard that before. Uh, Peace. Okay, you want to experience like a peace or truth, kind of an esoteric truth, okay? Something that's out there that's, I'll figure it out, we'll find out, meditation will tell us what that is. Um, Nebulous, something that's nebulous, something that's not clear, something that's inexpressible, something that we can't really express or, or, or understand. So you meditate, and you're on a higher plane, so to speak, and God will, or whatever higher power you're meditating to, will open up this understanding to you, and things will be clearer for you, okay? That's not what's described in biblical uh, scripture. Um, It's also not the practice of Christian mystics. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the Quakers have something called Quaker silence. Um, And I'm I'm not going to get into it too deeply, but they kind of get in a group and uh, they're just quiet. They wait for some sort of revelation, to to be struck with a revelation. And both Protestants and Catholics have their own forms of Christian uh, mysticism. This is really not what's being described in the biblical scripture, that I, how I see it. Um, I think with these kind of mystic sort of things, I think what they're looking for here is they not only want to speak to God. When we pray, we pray to the Father. We, we speak to God. But they not only want to speak to God, um, they want to speak with God. Okay, so to speak. They want to hear God's literal voice, okay, communicating with them. They want some sort of personal revelation. Okay, and I know you've heard people talk in that kind of way before. But that's not really what's being talked about here in the Bible when when God talks about meditation. 
um, the kind of meditation that I described here is more of a subjective form of meditation. It's based or influenced on one's personal feelings. Okay, it's concerned with emptying the mind. Uh, I know you've heard this before. Emptying your mind or emptying the vessel, so to speak. And when you do that, you're better able to receive truth, you know, or find some sort of a revelation, okay? That's not the kind of meditation that's being spoken about in Bible scripture. Also with those forms of meditation, they usually use a mantra, which is a word or a phrase repeated over and over again to kind of center yourself. Like, that God loves me. Repeating God loves me or God is in control over and over and over again is not meditation. It's not the meditation that's described in the scripture. So, if that's not the form of meditation described in the scripture, and when people think of meditation, those forms are what's commonly, you know, pops into your mind. What is it? What is the meditation that's described, that's taught in the scripture? Well, if you read scripture and you read about meditation, say if you go in your concordance and you look up the word meditation or a dictionary and different, different verses, chapters in the Bible, you'll find different translations use different words to describe or translate the word meditation. They use words like think, pray, walk, take pains to, play, to pay close attention to. There's a phrase called fixing one's mind, okay? Contemplate. The one I liked is put into practice, okay? Those are all phrases and words and different translations used when they're talking about meditation. Meditation is certainly more than just casual thinking, okay? To me, it's a focused contemplation on scripture. Um, but what's important, it's contemplation on truth and reality it's already been revealed. We talked about with the other forms of meditation, you're waiting for some new form of revelation. You're waiting for something new to be, uh, you know, something to be told about. But we know when the scriptures talk about the mysteries, when the Bible uses the word mysteries in the scripture, that means uncovered. It's something that, that's been revealed to us. And so when we meditate, we're meditating on something that's already already been revealed to us, okay? Not not something, not a new gospel, so to speak, okay? And this is an objective form of meditation. It's not influenced by our personal feelings. It's not influenced by our opinions, okay? Biblical scriptural meditation is focused on God's word with the help of the Holy Spirit. And uh, in John 16, 13, I think it describes this pretty well. It says, however, 
when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. So the Holy Spirit is here to help us, to guide us, and to inform us. And when we meditate on scripture, we should meditate with the help of the Holy Spirit, not some nebulous being that we don't understand waiting to strike us with like a new revelation, so to speak. So, when we read scripture, we should read it with a focused contemplation. And we should also pray for understanding and guidance. Those are two important things. And I think sometimes we think, oh, well, that's obvious. If, we're, if we've been Christians for a long time, we study scripture. Well, of course, before we read, we're going to, to pray and ask for guidance. But if you're a new Christian or someone who's not a Christian at all, and you're trying to figure out you know, what's going on, you might not understand the importance of of prayer before studying, before meditating on Scripture. And it's also important to remember what I said before, that Christian meditation should focus on what's already been revealed, what's already been revealed in creation, and what's already been revealed through inspired revelation. It's not something that's going to pop up, okay? Something, some new thing. Because um, other forms are, are seeking and revealing some new truth. Okay? And, and, and sometimes there are people seeking that sort of thing. Um, what's been revealed to us and what's like something new, like something new would be when you meditate, you're waiting to find out when Jesus is going to return. What hour, what day, what hour, what minute, okay? Did you see him down on the corner of Peachtree and 10th this morning, catching an Uber? So I mean, people are like that. They want, they want it that exact, okay? That's not what we meditate for, and that's not the performing meditation we're looking at. Okay. Second, why is it important to take time to meditate? Why should we find out what, what meditation is, what it isn't? Okay. So why should we do it at all? First of all, I think it's important, it's a necessary part of our spiritual transformation, becoming more Christ-like. In Romans 8.29, um, it talks about being more Christ-like. That's our goal, to be more like Christ. I think we talked about that in our class this morning. I think a good example of someone who is Christ-like is a type of Christ, David. Okay. So if we're going to try to emulate David and be, God said that David was a man after his own heart. So if we're going to be a people after God's own heart, we're going to be like David. We should meditate on Scripture 
on God like David did. In Psalms 63.6, we should meditate on God himself. Okay? Mm -hmm. In Psalm 77.12, we should meditate on the magnificent words of the Father in Scripture. And in Psalms 119, the last couple of weeks I've been reading uh, Psalms 119. I'm not quite sure if it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's pretty long. And so I started reading it, and it's just like flows very, very nicely. There's a lot of insight in it. And I'd just like to read some verses here from Psalms uh, 119 that talks about meditation, scriptural biblical meditation. Start off with verse 15. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. In the word we talked about, contemplation. In verse 23, princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. In verse 48, <laughs> my hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 97, oh how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Here he personalizes meditation. It's not just like I will meditate on your word. I will meditate on your teaching. He says, it is my meditation all day long. Verse 98, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me, and I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. His word says he became wiser than all his teachers. That's difficult to do, okay, to become wiser than your mentor, to become wiser than someone who's teaching you. And David accomplishes this. He doesn't accomplish it on his own. He accomplishes it because he meditates on God's word. He's guided by God. And finally, in verse 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. And there's other verses in the Bible where it talks about going to bed and being peaceful, being able to sleep peacefully, and going to, med going to bed and thinking about God's word, thinking about God. Okay, so it's kind of a 20... Uh, four-hour thing is just not something we do when we're here like now in this hour or maybe at two o'clock or three o'clock it's, it's something that becomes ingrained in your daily walk and when you meditate on scripture and when you read scripture you'd be surprised how that becomes part of your daily walk whatever you th you're thinking about things like that when you're away from reading it something might pop in your head or you're thinking about what I read this morning and you turn it over in your mind and you think about it. That's all to me, that's scriptural biblical meditation. Okay? Romans 12, <clears throat> the first two verses of that chapter. <clears throat> it 
talks about you renewing your mind or transforming your mind, which is important. What meditation helps to renew your mind and transform your mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not become conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So um, do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Biblical meditation, meditation on scriptures, is going to help, it's going to facilitate that transformation. It's going to help facilitate that renewing of your mind. Yeah. And kind of interesting when it, when it talks about the renewing of your mind. You can think about that. Me, when I, when, I, when I read it, I can think about it in a couple of ways. I can think about that I'm completely ignorant of the whole situation, and my mind is basically based on what I was doing when I, you know, I was living a sinful life, when I was living in a worldly kind of a way. And so you read the scripture, and it's telling you something different and you're renewing your mind in that sense but also if you're if you've been a Christian for a long time and you can re recite scriptures in your sleep and you can teach classes you can do this you can do that you don't know it all okay and you're going to be challenged in your life and when you meditate on scripture your mind is renewed every day, okay? So that, that's, that's kind of a way, that's kind of like a kind of an example of how I might meditate on scripture. Okay, everybody does things in a different way. Um, Colossians chapter three, I'm not gonna read this, but Colossians chapter three, three, the first two verses and then verses five through 14, it compares the uh, old life to the new life. You know, how you transform yourself from, scriptures say, the old man or the old person to the new man or the new person uh, with Christ in God. And that's a transformation. You're not going to achieve that transformation unless you're studying God's word, meditating on God's word, trying to understand uh, what is teaching you. Then in Isaiah, uh, Chapter 40, verses 28 and 31. I know I'm jumping from this scripture to the next scripture. Now bear with me a little bit. Um, Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never, neither faints nor is weary, is understanding and is unsearchable. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths who faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall not mount up, they shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Verse 31 there, those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. So the scriptures always talk about emphasizing renewal and rebirth. Okay, kind of like uses uh, the symbol of the vineyard. We were also talking this morning in class about seed agriculture, planting seeds, trees. If you're keeping a vineyard, if you're keeping your garden clean, you're always pulling weeds, you're always trimming, pruning, you know, so there's growth, okay? And then the fruit blossoms, the seeds fall to the ground, and the whole thing, the renewal starts again. Toward birth, renewal, growing. Okay, what, talked about what meditation is not, talked about what it is, and this is biblical scriptural meditation, not generic meditation. And we talked about why we should meditate. So how should we do this? And we covered a little bit about how we should do it a little earlier, but I just want to maybe review it and add a couple of things and then wrap up the lesson this morning. So how should we meditate? Well, the Bible should be our primary focus. It shouldn't be some sort of a mantra, okay? Um, that clears something up. Maybe I should have said it earlier. I don't really think there's anything wrong with you trying to relax your mind and relax your body, okay? If you wanna center yourself, they say that the center of your being is in the abdominal area. And if you wanna focus on that and have, you know, come from your, you know, and relax. I've been taught this sort of relaxing, relaxation technique. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't confuse it with things that are spiritual. And, and take that kind of leap or that extrapolation into, well, I'm going to find some something different here, I'm going to, okay? So I just want to clear that up. With scriptural, biblical meditation, the Bible should be the primary focus. The words of God should be the primary focus. Um, daily, okay? This was a hard thing for me, and still is. I mean, every, every, every January 1st I make, some, you know, resolution that I'm going to read the Bible through. I haven't done it yet, okay, but I'm going to read it through. So I started, this year I'm going to do something different, okay. I'm just going to read scripture every day, okay. That's an easier goal. And, 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 and meditate on it and try to learn from it. And maybe some of you are already there, maybe some of you you have like this, uh, a thing where you, you read every day. You have, I knew a guy in California as a member of the church there. He had his desk, a little desk in the corner of his, his home. And every night he went there. When he got off work, he was a postal worker, delivered mail. And every night when he got off work, some before he went to bed, usually before dinner, I guess, he would go in there and read scripture and study and meditate. I don't know what you know your routine is, but it might be good to to develop one. Daily focus, contemplation, and reflection. And it doesn't have to be anything long. Okay, I've heard people say, well, you can I'm not particularly a fast reader. 
not because I, I can't read fast, I, I, I've learned speed reading. But for some reason, even when I read a novel or something like that, I like to just, sometimes I go back and read, well, did I just read that? Let me go back and, did I miss something here? I, that's just who I am. It takes me forever for my wife can read a couple of books in a couple of days. Okay, so, but that's just not me. It might take me a couple of months, <laughs> to, you know. But basically, um, the point is contemplation, focused contemplation and reflection. It can be something short. It can be like a short song, okay? But, but every day. And as I mentioned before, pray for guidance and understanding. That's important because we're not going to come up with stuff on our own. We might be able to intellectually read something and intellectually absorb and say, well, yeah, that says that. But if you really want deep, if you really want to stick, if you want deeper understanding, okay, you need to pray for guidance. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to help you. Also, from time to time, read aloud to yourself. They say it's helpful on, on focusing the mind on words. Um, I guess in Psalms, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, the word meditate means to mutter. To mutter. Okay. And I know, Marlon, you're in theater business, and I know you have to commit scripts to memory, and I don't know what your technique is, but it's kind of like reading it me over and over again and if you're in rehearsal you're speaking it out loud okay and eventually after you make all those notes on your script and whatnot you understand the work and you can throw that away so you have this uh, in Psalms 1 verse 2 meditation means to mutter so read out loud to yourself a little bit it helps you commit things to memory and to understand things um, I think you focus on what the scripture that you're reading, focus on what it means. Um, there's kind of like a general meaning, okay? And then you can apply things specifically, like make personal applications. Get the general meaning of what thing, and then what does this mean to me? How can I apply this to myself personally? You can ask questions like, what can I glean from this verse? What, what am I really getting out of this verse? Is there something in this verse that's telling me as a practice that I, in my life that I should change? Okay? Or is there something in this verse, is there a practice in this life, there's something that I should add that I'm not doing? Ask those kind of questions um, when you're reading. But I think biblical meditation should be a private time of quiet, thoughtful, concentration on God's word. That's the important thing. Get someplace where you I know uh, it's sometimes it's hard to get someplace where it's completely quiet. I know sometimes when I want to study, oh, I'm going to study it's nice and quiet. You know, we have like a patio uh, we're on the third floor and there's trees outside the, the, the patio and it looks placid, you know, and, and as soon as I open up it might not even be the Bible. It might be something else that I'm trying. I need to concentrate on. And as soon as I get into that mood, and the gardeners are outside, <laughs> you know, the lawnmower's going, or something like that. So, I mean, I know it's hard, but I think once 
you get in the habit of doing it, I think you can block that stuff out. I think that those noises don't mean anything. Okay, and, and, and that's meditation. If you stop it, that's that's meditation. Okay, um, sounds 1914. Just want to close with this: Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's all I have uh, in terms of lesson this morning. Um, I also want to take time to speak to people who might be struggling with something, uh, but need, you know, help of other people. You might want to talk to someone about your struggles. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not transformed in that way. And you're thinking about something like that. There are guys here that you can talk to, who can help you and guide you. Um, but you have to make that initial effort to reach out and ask. Um, Richard is going to lead us in a song. We're going to stand and sing in a few seconds. Um, and that song is just to get you thinking. You meditate on the words of the song and think about things. And um, if you need to come forward, you can. If not, if you want to wait after in private, it's all up to you. But thank you very much.